Good morning. It is a joy to be with y'all. If we haven't had the privilege of meeting, I'm Reverend Catherine, one of the pastors on staff. And I want to take a minute and start by celebrating some of the amazing creativity of the folks that I get to work with on a daily basis. As y'all heard, Matt Jackson wrote one of the songs that we got to sing along with this morning, and Sarah wrote this poem. Y'all get to support some incredible ministry around here, and so I just want to celebrate and pause and say, kind of like, wow, right? Like, y'all get to hear new stuff um, every Sunday morning. Um, and so that's just exciting. So just take a minute and say, like, wow. Right? Um, and just things like all of these snowflakes were handmade by our staff here, by Nathan Schur and down in um, music ministries, along with Alan Newsom, who works down in the production booth. So we just got some really cool folks on our team. And those of y'all who faithfully give, make that happen. So thank you. Also, there's a lot going on in the life of this church. As y'all know, we're just a week out from Christmas. If y'all aren't counting down, your kids and grandkids and neighbors are. And we do hope over this next week that you'll be back with us if you're here in town. We have a couple more services. I'm not exactly counting, but there's a, another service in here on Thursday night. So if you're traveling and you wanna get a service in before you travel, we hope you'll join us on Thursday evening. And then on Christmas Eve, there are six services here at Northside three family services with a holy entourage. They're super cute. Those are in the sanctuary. One contemporary service in here at four, a traditional service at six, a traditional service with communion at eight. So six here on Christmas Eve, and then one service on Christmas day at 10 a.m. So for those of y'all getting up super early and the presents will be open and you've already had brunch, kids wear your pajamas, adults wear your tacky sweaters, come join me. I'll be here at 10 on Christmas day, but we would love to see you over this next week of Christmas as we continue to celebrate Christ with us and amongst us. And if you can't be with us on person, um, if you go to the website, northsideumc.org backslash Christmas, that will tell you which ones are being streamed. So with that, I am glad you are here and I'm gonna invite you, if you are like me, to take just a moment and in the busy and in the hurry and in kind of the anxiety of all that is still to come, whether you're counting down days to Christmas and you're like, wondering if it's six days of shopping or seven days of shopping, or if you wanna be like our good Orthodox Christian friends and know that you have till the end of Christmas, because remember there are 12 days of Christmas and they only start on Christmas day. So really friends, you got a lot of time. If your deliveries are running late, you got 12 days from the 25th. Like, so be patient with each other and your Amazon delivery drivers, right? You got plenty of time. Do not fret, but to take a deep breath. Because for some of you, these have been fun weeks and they have been joyous and there have been parties and there have been cookies and there have been excitement and there has been wonder. But for a few of you, there have been long nights and there have been finals and there have been tests and there have been cranky individuals and there's been frustrations and there's been disappointments. And so whatever got you here this morning, you made it. You are here and I am glad you're here. And I hope that you would just settle in for a few minutes, kind of ground your feet and remind yourself that whatever you still have to do today and this week, that it can wait another 30 minutes because I do believe that God has come to encounter you this morning, that God is with us and amongst us and that God desires to speak to you and to me and that God speaks to us in song 
and in scripture and in silence, and that God will speak to us through the sermon, but that God is coming to speak to you and that God has something for you to hear. And maybe you've already heard it, but maybe there's something more for you to hear because I do believe that Christ is with us and amongst us and that Jesus is speaking to us and that there's something for you this morning. And so I hope you're listening. I know too often I don't listen, I speak. And so I'm gonna invite you to listen, to listen for the story, to listen for hope, to listen for joy, to listen for peace, to listen for promise, to listen for whatever you might need today, to listen for Jesus, the babe that will be born again in the manger is calling to listen for this indescribable gift. So here again, the promise that if you come to the invitation to ask and seek and knock, that Jesus will show up that God will be present. Throughout Advent, we've been talking about what it means to be present, and present is an adverb and a noun. For those of you who love those English terms, right? We say present, I'm here, I'm here. But we say present, I'm attentive, I'm paying attention, I'm really present to you and with you. We say present, like right now, this very moment. Not a few moments ago and not in the future, right now, present, but also present. I have a gift to share. It's incredible to think that Jesus is all of that, all of those forms of present, that Jesus is here, that Jesus is attentive, that Jesus is now, and that Jesus has something to share with us. Not only this moment, but in all the moments of all of our days, and that Jesus invites us to be present in all of those same very ways. And so today we're gonna look about what it means to be present, and in particular, what it means to be present as a cheerful giver. So we're gonna jump ahead to a passage that isn't often read at Christmas time. It comes from 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse six through 15. Some of you have read this verse before, these verses before, and some of them will be new to you, but these are texts that we often read closer to Thanksgiving or more often at stewardship. But I invite you to hear for the first time or anew, 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verses six and going all the way through verse 15. Listen now. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 
This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have provided yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We give thanks for the word of God. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for you are speaking and we desire to listen. Help us to know you more fully. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As Paul writes this text to the Corinthians, he has already shared that they have gone through great hardship, great suffering. The times for this early Christian community hadn't been easy. It actually had been quite challenging. They had gotten to the point that they had called it suffering. He said specifically, the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Friends, things are bad. They are not good. Not the typical situation for a cheerful giver. And yet Paul sets up the scenario where they are called to share all things, whether emotional or physical. Paul calls them to do life together. When it is difficult and challenging, he reminds those followers of Jesus Christ to share in every burden, but also to share in every reward, and to do so with cheer and thanksgiving and generosity. Interestingly, the Greek word for cheer that is used here is only used this one time in all of Scripture. This is the only time you'll see the Greek word cheer used here. But interestingly, it's the same root word that is used for the word mercy. And Matt saying about it earlier. Mercy is the gift of compassion and forgiveness, what Christ gives to us. I wonder how we can see the link between being cheerful and compassionate, cheerful and forgiven. Am I cheerful because I, am, I know that I have been forgiven? Am I cheerful because I know what it means to receive compassionate, kindful kindness? It's not just to be happy, but it's to be joyful. And as you and I know, joyfulness, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, it doesn't come from the things of this world. Those are things we get from the Holy Spirit. You know, those fruits of the Spirit, Most of our kids in the room would remember them from Galatians 5, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are not the things of this world, and in the same way, cheer and mercy are also not the things we get in this world. They are gifts of God. And so Paul encourages the people to distribute the things they have with cheer to emotionally, physically, spiritually support one another so that in all things and at all times to rely on God who has given absolutely everything in Jesus Christ and to be cheerful givers. For if Jesus Christ can be raised from the dead to give us eternal life, we can be grateful. 
we can be thankful. We've already been given the greatest gift of all. So we can abound in good works. We can be generous on all occasions. We can give generously unto one another for we have this indescribable gift in Jesus. We have salvation which changes everything. So shouldn't we be perpetually grateful, persistently thankful, consistently generous? Well, yes, we should. And so I remind you of the text again. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The message is pretty simple. Be a cheerful giver. And I'm guessing, quite honestly, knowing many of you in the room, most of you are cheerful givers. You are generous and kind. And some of you probably have the love language of gift giving. A few weeks ago, Dr. Bill talked about the five love languages and you might remember them. Gift giving, physical touch, words of affirmation, quality times, acts of service. Some of you are thinking in your minds, yes, I am that. But when you think about all those forms of love, are you cheerful and giving all those types of love? And I'm guessing you're thinking, sure, when it comes to my kids or my spouse or my parents or my friends, I am a cheerful giver. I am kind and I have had fun shopping. But if I'm honest, I'm really good at gift giving when I can find the right gift and when the bank account is full and when I have time to do shopping, I enjoy it. I enjoy not only giving to family and friends, but I enjoy giving occasionally to neighbor and stranger and to charities. I like being generous and I like being cheerful, but there are times when it is a lot harder to be a cheerful giver. Like when the budget is tight and the workday is long and the internet is slow and the traffic is long and when I am grieving and when someone isn't a cheerful recipient and when someone else is rude and when I am tired and when I am hungry and if you know me, if I'm hungry or tired or any combination of those, which could happen on any given day, the likelihood of me being cheerful diminishes quite quickly. And as you know, not everyone loves the holiday season. For many people, the holidays can be difficult and hard and challenging. I imagine in this room today, some of you are fighting silent battles that none of us know anything about. And there are some of you who have very public known difficulties. And some of you are wondering, how long, O oh Lord? And other of you have been singing the chorus of In a Bleak Midwinter Night. And some of you can't find the holly jolly anywhere you go. And you are suffering and you are grieving and you've known death and disaster and disease. And you are wondering where is there a balm in Gilead? And you know hurt and heartache more than you know cheer and joy. And you don't know if you can fake it any longer. And what I want to say to you is that is okay. That Jesus will meet you exactly where you are. You don't need to fake it. You don't need to be anything but your very self. That Jesus loves you for who you are and knows your suffering and your pain and your heartache. 
And this sermon isn't about being cheerful when you're not cheerful. That's not it at all. This sermon isn't about, and the scripture didn't say you had to give. It says when you give. There's no compulsion to give. Sometimes what you need to do is rest, sleep, stop, to ask for help, to let us know how difficult it is. And so if you are in a season where it is hard and painful and lonely, then ask for help and receive a little comfort and compassion and don't do any more. So if you're mourning, rely on the surpassing grace that God has given you and lean into the indescribable gift of God, your savior, Jesus the Christ. Call out to the Holy Spirit, the advocator and your comforter. But for those of us who are actually in a pretty good place where there's nothing that's really wrong but our attitude, we need to remember that we have free will. And like Reverend Sarah said, we got a choice. We have a choice in this free will to choose. To choose to be cheerful with our words and our actions and our attitude. We can choose to give or we can choose to keep. We can choose to glorify God or we can choose to promote our own agenda. We can choose to be salt and light or we can choose to forget who we follow and what we believe. We can choose to be like Jesus or we can choose to be a Christmas villain. And so I will have to admit that I got really close to being a Christmas villain this past week. The day was really dark and the days have been dark and I was lonely and I was tired and I was frustrated. And so I found myself at the gym ready to row harder on the rowing machine than I had in a really long time. And I'm grateful that I chose not to speak and to row, but I could have been really unkind. And I'm guessing you know that place too. And so I'm gonna remind you of some Christmas villains that you don't want to be like. Kids, these are the things you don't want to do. So I'm gonna invite you for just a moment. Think of those Christmas villains you know in the movie. Who's coming to mind? Like the mean, the ugly, the not kind. Who comes to mind? I heard a couple out there. Who's coming to mind? The Grinch is real quick. All right, so the Grinch is at the top of the list, right? He's got termites in his smile, spiders in his soul, and the heart that is two sizes too small. But he's not the only villain in Christmas movies. You have Marv and Harry, right? He's greedy and sneaky and they're mischievous robbers and home alone. We got Stooge and we're gonna come to him. We have Bumble the abominable snowman and Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. He's mean and he's nasty and he hates everything to do with Christmas. Yet he does have a horrible toothache. And it reminds us that when we are in pain, we often are quite miserable to deal with. And then there's Professor Hinkle and the Frosty the Snowman who tries to steal the magic of Frosty's hat before he is reminded that he has to apologize a thousand times over. And Ebenezer Scrooge, as I heard from the audience, he lacks empathy. Bah, humbug. And then there's Mr. Oogie Boogie from The Nightmare Before Christmas. He attempts to kill Santa. Wouldn't that put him at the top of the naughty list? 
And then there's the angry elf who has a really bad attitude and he drinks on the job and he swears and he yells and he's generally ungrateful. And this is my husband's contribution to the sermon, Hans Gruber and Die Hard. You can debate whether that's a Christmas movie or not, but he's violent and impatient and a thief. You have the Gremlins, also a debatable Christmas movie, but if you include them, they destroy and pilfer. And then an old man, Potter, who is mean-spirited and grouchy and it's a wonderful life. He tries to destroy a whole town and force a population into poverty. He lacks empathy and compassion. And then you have Scott Farkason in A Christmas Story, who's a bully who lacks mercy and compassion. Friends, none of you want to be the Christmas villain this Christmas. But I imagine when you are hungry and tired and lonely, and if your teeth hurt or your feet hurt, you too could be a little grouchy. So maybe as Reverend Sarah said, take a break, take a deep breath, pray a little longer, read some scripture, Remember that you have received the exceptionally good gift of Jesus. For Jesus changes everything, including our attitude, if we'll let him. Even in the worst of times, it can change. Jesus can change. Sin to salvation, hatred to mercy, our sorrow to cheer. And as we give, and may we give cheerfully, and may God be glorified. May others come to know something is different in this next week. Something is different in you when you don't lose it in the checkout lane and when you don't lose it when a packet is lost and you don't lose it if dinner is burnt. May you choose freedom over and self. May you choose to take self-control over freedom. May you choose love and cheer and patience and kindness and mercy and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. May you choose to be rested and well hydrated. May you choose to immerse yourself in scripture and song. May you choose to abound in every good work. May you confess and share and read the gospel of Jesus this week. May you choose surpassing grace over being overwhelmed. May you choose to say something nice. And if you can't say something nice, say nothing at all. And may you choose to give thanks for the indescribable gift of Jesus. Let us all be cheerful givers. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. God of mercy, you gave generously to us and you continue to give each and every day. You are faithful and good. Come to us, restore our soul, heal our hearts, smooth our rough edges, do not let us be a Christmas villain. Empower us to be people, the people you call us to be. Let us be cheerful givers. Let us do your good work. Help us to be present. Allow us to be a present. Allow us to experience the gift of your son, Jesus. May Jesus be glorified in us. Amen. <laughs>